Interest in Bigfoot is surging, but there's a lot of people that don't believe that uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch is even real. If Bigfoot is real, why have we never caught one? Why have we never seen a Bigfoot carcass? Why do so many people believe Bigfoot exists? Why do so many people remain skeptical of Bigfoot's existence. Is it one creature? Is it a thousand? Where are they? Are they all over the world? Are they in North America? Are they in your backyard? Well, uh, we decided uh, to get some of the answers to those questions to one of the go-to Bigfoot experts. He is a widely recognized cryptozoologist and a field investigator for the Center for Fortean Zoology. He's a fellow of the Pangea Institute. He's been a consultant for, or is a consultant, with several major research organizations. He has traveled the world searching for evidence of all sorts of mysterious animals and legendary beasts, including Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and many others. He's co-hosted uh, the History Channel TV series Missing in Alaska. He's been featured on many, many different television and radio shows over the years. Also happens to be a best-selling author of six books on the subject of unknown animals. It is my great pleasure to welcome Ken Gerhardt. Ken, thanks for staying up late with us. Good evening, Frank. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. The honor is all mine. Now, Ken, what sparked your interest? First of all, what is cryptozoology? When we refer to you as a widely recognized cryptozoologist, what is cryptozoology? What is that field? Yes, well, cryptozoology, uh, the literal translation from Latin means the study of hidden animals. And by hidden animals, we're typically talking about uh species that are not yet recognized by traditional science. And just to clarify, Frank, I don't have a scientific degree. Cryptozoology is not something you can go to a university and get a degree in. It's kind of a fringe science, if you will. So, uh, so yeah, I go out and I, I search for and analyze alleged evidence of unknown animals, things like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Jersey Devil, <laughs> so on and so forth. Now, some young people will go through their formative years and say, oh, I want to be a lawyer or a firefighter or an accountant. And we have some idea of how one gets into those fields. How does what what sparked your initial interest in finding hidden animals like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster? How did you get started? Yeah, well, I certainly never planned on making cryptozoology a career. I've just been very blessed. Um, it's definitely a non-traditional thing to, to do with my life. But um started when I was a kid. Uh, I was about eight or nine years old. I was very interested in animals already. I had a lot of exotic pets growing up. My father was a forestry professor, spent a lot of time in the outdoors. I also loved monster movies, you know. I was raised on Godzilla movies and Creature from the Black Lagoon and all that. So when I saw a TV show about Bigfoot when I was about eight or nine years old, it was like a light bulb went off, you know. I mean, here was this thing that was like, uh, it was a monster, but it was also seemed like it was maybe an undiscovered animal or something. So that kind of started my interest. And then, uh, you know, growing up, my mother uh, was a travel agent. She took me all over the world. I got to camp along the Amazon River and hike Australian deserts and, you know, all kinds of amazing things. And I was always in search for whatever legendary creatures or beast might be from that, that area. And then age 15, I was at Loch Ness attempting field research at a young age. So it's just been something I've pursued my whole life. Like I said, I didn't plan on making a career out of it, but it's just kind of become my life's passion. 
you you mentioned watching monster movies and films like Godzilla. Obviously, those are works of of fiction. A lot of people believe that Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster that those aren't real. That mm-hmm. the, this is the work of uh, charlatans or those of us with a, an overactive imagination. Um, do you believe that? Are you convinced that Bigfoot is real? Or are you do you believe that he is fake, or are you uh, maybe undecided about the the real reality of Bigfoot or not? Yeah, well, uh, based on recent surveys, uh, about 78 to 82 percent of the population think that Bigfoot could not exist, period. So the vast majority of people, even though everybody loves Bigfoot, obviously, Frank, he's a very popular figure in, in, in pop culture. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the minority, like, you know, one in five people that think, OK, maybe this thing could be real. So what I tell people is I'm 90 percent convinced they exist. I've never seen one with my own eyes. Um, I think I may have heard them vocalize and have recorded those sounds. Um, you know, I've spent decades searching all over North America, from Alaska to Florida, Central America, the Pacific Northwest. I've worked with most of the leading uh, investigators in the field, and I've interviewed hundreds of credible people that swear they've seen this thing. And so based on all of that experience and a lot of the other evidence that we have in terms of the castings of footprints and so forth, the Patterson-Gimlin film from 1967, all of that to me is, is very convincing. But, you know, I try to approach cryptozoology as scientifically as possible. And so through the prism of zoology, it seems highly improbable that these things could actually exist. But, you know, it's equally improbable that they don't exist based on my experience. So it's, it's quite a paradox. Uh, by the way, we're talking with Ken Gerhard. He's written several books on this subject, uh, A Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts, Encounters with Flying Humanoids, Big Bird. You can check them all out at his website, KenGerhard.com, G-E-R-H-A-R-D. Now, you you allude to the fact that you've never seen a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch with your own eyes, uh, but you point to some evidence, including a footprint and some film that, um, you know, that leads you to think that Bigfoot is real. What um, what do you think Bigfoot is? If it is, in fact, something that's real, what is it? Yeah, well, one of the compelling things, Frank, is that the eyewitness accounts, which number in the thousands, are pretty consistent. And uh, people describe the, the average Bigfoot stands about seven and a half feet tall, weighs several hundred pounds. It walks on two legs. It's very manlike, except it's very powerfully built with broad shoulders. And, it, uh, you know, it's covered in hair. And um, what's interesting is that, you know, this archetype fits perfectly within the paradigm of what we know about human evolution. In other words, this thing looks like what we call a hominin, which is basically one of our pre-human ancestors from millions or tens of thousands of years ago. So it's, you know, it could very easily be a surviving example of some ancient pre-human, it's a, a great ape basically, uh, but one that walks on its hind legs and uh, one that has uh, possibly has behavioral adaptations that make it very hard to find. And I also think it's very rare, Frank. I don't think there's a ton of these things out there. Well, that was my next question, is do you have a theory of approximately how many of these are out there in, say, North America? It's all pure speculation, but there have been academics, physical anthropologists, and other scientists 
wildlife biologists that have become interested in Bigfoot through the years. And, you know, based on all of that, the best guess is that there would have to be at least in the low thousands spread across the continent. So you have the vast majority of sightings are in the Pacific Northwest, but you do have sightings all over North America for the most part, mostly in wilderness areas. But if there were any less than, say, 1,500, you know, they, they would obviously they wouldn't have enough. There wouldn't be enough to have a viable breeding population to sustain, you know, over a long period of time. But there could be as many as 4,000 in North America wow. based on some projections. So. Um, I doubt there are more than that, or we would have more evidence that they exist at this point. Well, if there, if Bigfoot is real, and if there are, say, thousands of them, why do you think we haven't seen better evidence, uh, something like a Bigfoot carcass or a smoking gun clear-as-day video or photograph? Yeah, that's a great question, and I definitely understand why people are skeptical, and I always encourage critical thinking, so I like it when people challenge and question these things. Um, That's a great point. Why don't we have physical remains? Um, You know, the only answer that I have to that is that, A, these animals seem to be very, you know, rare, as I said. Uh, There are probably like 160 bears for every Bigfoot or Sasquatch in North America, Two, I think that they've adapted avoidance behaviors to, to not be found by humans. In other words, they recognize, they're smart enough to recognize that we are their greatest threat, and therefore they have adapted behavior patterns like living in remote areas we typically don't go in. They seem to be nocturnal. They seem to be largely nomadic and just very skilled at hiding from us. Um, and then the last thing to keep in mind is that, you know, a lot of animals, when they die, uh, they don't necessarily die out in the open. If an animal knows it's going to die, it will typically crawl under, uh, you know, looking at bears and mountain lions. A lot of animals will crawl into heavy brush or hide themselves when they're sick and they die. And that may be why we haven't found any remains. But still, you would think as big as they are, as many as there have been living on this continent, there would have to be bones and teeth Somewhere, and you know, the photographic evidence is a real head scratcher too, because there's so many cameras out there these days. Uh, you know, uh, people even have these trail cameras, you know, mounted on trees. You know, 24-hour surveillance. So uh, it is surprising. Uh, you know, I don't have a great answer for you other than they're rare, they're elusive, and you know, we just haven't been in the right place at the right time yet. Could you ever be convinced? <clears throat> excuse me. Could you ever be convinced that they're not out there? That there is no such thing as Bigfoot or Sasquatch? Or Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, like I said, I'm 90% convinced. You know, science, science is supposed to be an agnostic process. Nothing is 100% typically in science except for, like, math and gravity and stuff like that. But, you know, otherwise theories are overturned. Uh, you know, someone could convince me eventually. But, you know, um, and, and, I, and I, I would accept definitive evidence that they don't exist. But, you know, here's the thing, Frank, I've looked in the eyes of so many people through the years, seemingly credible people that don't seem like they, you know, they seem totally sane. They don't seem like they'd have any reason or motivation to make these stories up. And they swear to me they've seen these things. And, you know, and and oftentimes these are people that live out in the woods, hunters, ranchers, farmers, people that see all kinds of animals, bears and other things. So, um, but yeah, you know, I'm certainly open to the possibility that this is some really bizarre cultural phenomenon and, you know, that people are seeing things or, you know, who knows. 
Um, if you had to pick, you mentioned a lot of pop cultural depictions of Bigfoot over the years. What would you say is the finest fictional portrayal of uh, of Bigfoot in any television, movie, etc.? Oh gosh, are we? You know, are we going on uh, physical accuracy or just like entertainment no, value? No, just for entertainment and... value. Pure pure entertainment value. Oh man. Okay, so there's a cult movie from 1972 called The Legend of Boggy Creek. Mm. And uh, most Bigfoot researchers my age that grew up in the 70s and 80s saw this when we were kids, and it scared the crap out of us. It was this, uh, uh, this based on this real creature called the Falk Monster down in Falk, Arkansas, that uh, people had been seeing down there for years in this real area uh, on Boggy Creek. And the thing about the film is it was shot very low budget, and it was shot in kind of a documentary style in the early 70s. And it's very eerie, very scary Based on true events, most of the people in the movie are actual residents of this town and stuff. And it just has this vibe about it. Uh, but the other cool thing is that it, basically what it did in the early 70s is it shifted Bigfoot from being a Pacific Northwest, West Coast phenomenon to suddenly, you know, being in the eastern United States. And uh, so that kind of brought out a lot of, you know, eyewitnesses and, and reports around that time in, in you know, eastern parts of the United States. In fact, you guys have sightings up there in Staten Island. I don't know if you I, Actually, with- I did not know that. I know New York State was known for, uh, has had its fair share of Bigfoot sightings, but I thought most of them were in places like the Hudson Valley. Yeah, up, up near Whitehall, uh, there have been a lot of sightings, but uh, there's something called Trash Squatch, which has been reported on uh, old Richmond town there, uh, mostly back in the 1970s. So, wow. uh, yeah. I did so, not know yeah. that. I'll have to do a field trip of my own uh, to see if I could find something. It, it is interesting. We're talking with Ken Gerhard. You can check out the uh, website, KenGerhard.com. His books are on there, some other interesting work. Give me the name of that film again. That does sound interesting, and I've never seen it. It's called The Legend of Boggy Creek. That is... And it was it was, it was was just re-released, uh, you know, re- digitally remastered, and it's one of the most successful independent movies ever made, Frank. I think they spent like $100,000 filming it, and it's grossed you know, millions and millions cool. through the years. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, that's pretty impressive. Hey, uh, while I have you, let me get your take on the Loch Ness Monster as well. You mentioned visiting, having visited uh, Loch Ness in Scotland. What's your take on uh, what the situation is with the Loch Ness Monster? Yeah, well, I, uh, my newest book is The Essential Guide to the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, basically, um, I connect the Loch Ness Monster to other lake monsters have been reported around the world. So the first thing I have to point out is, you know, when you talk about the Loch Ness Monster, you kind of have to zoom out a little bit and consider that there are similar lake monsters. For example, uh, upstate New York, there you have the Lake Champlain Monster or Champ, Champy. Yeah. Uh, you got Canada has Ogopogo. You have lake monsters from Scotland, Scandinavia. Russia, you know, and the, the descriptions, just like Bigfoot, the descriptions are all very similar. These gigantic aquatic animals, serpentine body shape, they kind of swim with an up and down undulation. Um, so, you know, my best theory that I talk about in the book, I know a lot of people like to, to consider the Loch Ness Monster as being some kind of surviving dinosaur called a plesiosaur, an aquatic marine reptile, but I think it's a mammal. Uh, I think based on the mm. cold water that it's reported in, the up-and-down movements, which is a mammalian uh, lo- a form of locomotion. Um, and people describe the skin as very smooth and whale-like. 
So, uh, you know, I, I, I suggest a prehistoric type of whale called an archaeocete that was around about 30 or 40 million years ago. And they were very unlike modern whales. They were very huge, but they were long and serpentine. Uh, so I think that would be a much more likely candidate based on the eyewitness descriptions. And the other thing I think people need to know about the Loch Ness Monster is, you know, most people consider it like a long time ago sort of thing, you know, like, oh, that was back in the 30s, the 70s or whatever. But what a lot of people don't realize is there are still about 10 good sightings every year. So uh, Nessie is still being seen on a regular basis there. Uh, but we don't have conclusive photographic evidence yet, just some controversial films and photographs and a lot of sonar contacts with big things swimming around under the water there. Have you ever, have you ever seen the Loch Ness Monster? No, I haven't. Do no. you, do you have a theory as to whether that in Loch Ness itself is one creature or multiple creatures? Well, again, looking through the prism of zoology, you would have to have multiple creatures. Sure. Um, you know, it's a pretty big lake. I mean, it's, it's narrow. It's uh, about 23 and a half miles long, about one and a half miles wide, but it's incredibly deep, Frank. It's about, uh, 754 feet is the, the greatest accepted depth. It could go down to eight, 900 feet. That's a lot of water. That's like 263, sure. you know, billion cubic feet of water or something. So it's, it's, and it's, the water's very dark, very, uh, you know, silty. Uh, so yeah, they, there would have to be at least a few of them. And there's also a possibility that they could be moving in and out of the ocean, uh, because Loch Ness is connected to the ocean by some shallow rivers and so forth. Interesting. Hey, uh, Ken, it was great talking with you. I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, I love the work you're doing and, uh, it's really, it's really, I'm glad you're out there and I hope you'll come back soon. Well, thank you for having me on Frank. Anytime, buddy. I appreciate uh, it I appreciate very much. It. And thanks for the education about uh, the Bigfoot sighting in my backyard uh, years ago. Yeah, go, ch- go check that out for me, and you can, you can be my guy on the, <laughs> on if, my boots if, on the ground there. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you ever make a trip out east, we'll go visit it together, but I'll be looking in the meantime. That sounds good. All right. Okay. Ken, Ken Gerhardt.